Welcome to the Motorhome Matt podcast. Caravans, campervans, motorhomes and more. It's the place to get hints, tips and impartial advice from the expert himself, Matt Sims. Brought to you by thatleisureshop.com. Join us on the journey with Motorhome Matt. Welcome back to the Motorhome Matt podcast with me, Keith Gooden. And me, Motorhome Matt. He's the expert. I sort of, I'm like, think of me as a ringmaster, but without a chair and a whip. <laughs> and a big hat. I could bring my chair and whip in. I'm glad you haven't brought your whip with you. <laughs> it's brought to you with thatleisureshop.com. But of course, if you uh, are thinking of being a sponsor to this fabulous podcast with 100,000 plus downloads, uh, how do they go about it? Then? You can find out more on our website, actually. We've just launched a new video telling people how they can get involved with us. Uh, motomat.co.uk forward slash sponsor. Come and have a look. It was great to be uh, get you on board and uh, be part of this ever-growing family of people whose passion is motorhoming, caravanning and camping. Let's delve into the news then, uh, shall we, Matt? You have an open day. Yeah, this Saturday, actually. It's That's the 1st of July, it if is you're Saturday, listening in time. 1st of July, 2023. Uh, it's kind <laughs> of a, we called it a lull last week. All week I've been ribbed for two things since last week's what episode. What's that then? A lull. In our motorhome hire diary, I see no problem with that. And a paddling swan. <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't the paddling swan that you were ribbed about, it was the peddling swan. Okay, I said peddling, not paddling. Yeah, a swan on a, on a bike. It's got an e-bike. Yeah, and also fudding. Fudding. Well, that's a real thing. Yeah, you've got to be careful with that word. It means different things around the world. Does it? <laughs> you know. It absolutely does. <laughs> anyway, this Saturday... <laughs> Our hire team at Motorhome Holiday Company have got a whole load of motorhomes all clean and opened up, ready for people to come and have a look at, who are maybe thinking of a motorhome holiday for the first time. Maybe you're thinking of converting from a camper van to a motorhome or a caravan to a motorhome. Or maybe you've got a motorhome and are thinking of a different type of layout. Well, we've got a whole range of them for hire. So a number of things happen at this point in the year. Our kind of summer diaries take shape and we have lots of little gaps that we are motivated to fill. These are the lulls. The lulls. They are more lulls, yeah. So it's often someone will book a 10-day holiday, creates a little gap before someone goes out for a week. So normally it's a minimum of a week's hire. At this time of the year, we drop that down to a few days. So if you're flexible on when you can go, you may be lucky and get a gap in our diary and head off for a short adventure in peak season. Remember, you don't have to buy a motorhome, you can hire one. And Matt's your man, so that's uh, the 1st of July 2023. What's the opening time? We're here from 10am to 4pm, just really close to Western Supermare. So come down and uh, then I head off to the beach and grab an ice cream. And what's your postcode? BS246RT. Is that BS246RT? It is. Yeah! <laughs> okay. The other thing we've got is 15% off. We've never done this before, and it's been really interesting to see how it's working. Working really well. If you're a couple and you want to go away in a two-birth motorhome, normally they're not so busy over the summer because all the kids are off school, but if you want to go somewhere... Just the two of you. Just the two of you. <laughs> Don't do that again. Then it's 15% off all of our two-birth motomes across the whole summer season. You can have a sexy weekend away, or even a week. Steady. Mm. He's got his whip out again. Just the two of you. Okay, it's the Motorhome Matt podcast. I'm Keith Gooden. And I'm Motorhome Matt, slightly it's, disturbed. It's brought to you with that leisure shop. Dot com. Last week, we heard from Graham Cooper, currently Global Vice President of Energy Transition at Jacobs. Yeah, very important guy. What a big title. He's actually off to Boston in the US. They've nicked him. 
And they're nicking his talent, apparently. Graham used to be head of future markets at National Grid, and we've been doing such a lot of topics over the whole EV transition uh, and this inevitable move to the world of electric, which, you know, there's lots of cynicism and mystique around this. And I wanted to unpack some of the facts and dispel a few myths. It's all about keeping you informed. So when the time comes, and it's only a few years away, when you make those choices, remember the Motorhome Map podcast told you first. Well, (laughs) we did. I also, though, want to be a bit of a voice, as it were, for our industry. Because I think we get forgotten, we get overlooked. It's become apparent to me there's very few people in our industry who are actually talking to the wider world about this, this transition. And it's really important that we're hundreds of thousands of people and we matter. How we use these vehicles is different to a DPD type business or an Amazon type business. We've got very specific needs. And actually, we're a headache for EV manufacturers. We want to drive a long way with a big weight in the back. That's a nightmare for an electric van. And and we want to charge them in a space that has lots of space. And in fact, next week, we have a guy here from a charging manufacturer, so an EV charger point company, who talks to us about chargers and how they're evolving. And again, to Simon, I wanted to make sure that he was aware of our world when they're making some of their plans. So that's next week's episode. So go and listen to that after you've heard from Graham. But the big challenge we've had is about money. Is that who the heck is going to pay for all of this. And I started by asking Graham, who exactly is going to pay for this? If you want the short answer, you and I have paid for, through our energy bills, the grid to date. So why would that change? And you kind of go, oh, crikey, bills are expensive. Well, look, let me give you a couple of numbers to help. So firstly, it's important that everybody knows who's listening to this, that the cost of the network is what is recovered through part of your, you know, your daily standing charge. Yeah, you know, you have a pence per kilowatt hour. That's the energy you use, but you have a daily standing charge. That's made up of a whole bunch of things. Some of those are green levies. Some of those are for your distribution network. Some of those are for the transmission network. So on an average bill, the cost of the national grid to a bill payer is about £20.71 a year. £20 a year for the most one of the most reliable grid networks in the world. What is a power cut, an hour in the dark worth to you? I'd happily pay 20 quid not to be stuck for an hour without without power, right? So so the fir- firstly, you could argue that actually it's pretty good value. The next thing to, to bear in mind is doubling of the grid capacity is going to take an awful lot of money. I mean, National Grid are in the process right now of spending £15 billion reinforcing the grid from this more offshore wind. And you kind of go, okay, that's a big number. So it will drive up that standing charge a little bit. But what it's going to do is access cheap secure power. Let me give you an example. When I was building onshore wind farms 10 or 15 years ago, we thought you would never get the cost of offshore wind below £150 a megawatt hour. Don't worry about the numbers, but £150 was the cost per megawatt of offshore wind. But because of the advances in technology, because of the incentive schemes, offshore wind is, is now generating at £37 a megawatt hour. What we will see is standing charges will creep up over the next decade as more money is spent on wires. So actually, overall, bills will come down from where they are today. It's just that you'll pay a little less per kilowatt hour. You'll pay a little bit more on your standing charge. But don't forget, that's allowing us to have a secure energy system, right? Self-generated power. So it's more energy secure. It's cleaner power, so it's good for the climate and air quality. And it's also accessing the cheapest form of generation, which is renewables, right? Because the resource is free. So it's one of those things. You need to see these things in the round. Well, it feels like a huge amount of change 
coming and I know you've got big change coming you're moving out to the USA you're actually moving there on a visa which gives you the same status as a rock star but I'm going to come back to that in a minute <laughs> we're making yes. all this effort as a country people say to me and I and I kind of go well yeah good question what's the point what's the rest of the world doing it seems that they're they've not got the same legislation being imposed on them in just over a decade as we record this yeah, what are China doing what are India doing what is the point of the UK making all this effort and forcing all this change on us someone needs to be the grown-up in the room <laughs> right and to be honest on a world stage you could argue that the UK is the grown-up in the room you know we, we've been masters of lots of important legislation across Europe and setting targets across the world, right? So you can't ask others to do something you're not prepared to do yourself. We've been a leader in that space. But I'd also come back to, yes, if you cherry pick headlines, China's built more coal plants per year than you know, anybody else. Can I just tell you, though, they've almost completely stopped building coal plants. In the last year, they've built more renewables than the rest of Europe put together. They end up building more EVs than the rest of Europe put together. Right. So if you cherry pick your data, it looks like others are not doing very much and that we're making all the running. No, I would strongly argue that others are carrying their weight. Some are slower to the party. Some of them are later to the party. So, for example, you know, I I'm moving to the US in July this year. Part of that is because Joe Biden has put in the, the IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act. OK, that is driving 13 trillion dollars into decarbonizing heat and transport and jobs for Americans and production in America. Even my own company I work for now, Jacobs, we built three battery factories last year for EVs. We're in discussions to extend another one and double its size next year. We are helping companies in America build solar factories for solar panels. So every country is observing this and doing it at its own pace. The other one you mentioned was India, which is a really interesting one. Don't forget, India is behind the curve on, on its growth and its maturity. Because it has a less mature grid, they could actually transition more quickly. You know, they tend to do things more local rather than from, from national government because it's such a big country. Almost every country, major emitters, is making huge strides to cut their emissions. That's on the global emissions piece. Even if you are a climate denier, you don't believe in global you know, man-made climate change, right? Even if you're not sure on the science, who doesn't want to improve the health of every man, woman and child in the country that you sit in? 36,000 people dying prematurely every year is a horrible number. 200 million cost of poor air quality to the NHS and social care. That's my taxpayer money. That's your taxpayer money. If you're telling me that we shouldn't do these things, remind yourself of the things we're asking for. We want cleaner air and healthier people. So even if you're not completely convinced by the climate change piece, the air quality piece should be the wake up call for us to do something. But we are now exporting what we've learned. The UK is the, the you know a leader in offshore wind. And we're exporting that knowledge, that intellectual property to the rest of the world. I mean, I'm, I'm an example of that. So I, I built half a billion pounds of the wind farms. I've worked for uh, you know, the national grid, decarbonizing heat and transport. Well, it's embarrassing, but I'm seen as an expert. I mean, it's just my day job, right? You're seen um, as a rock star, aren't you? Bizarrely, the American visa process gives me an O visa, right? Which is the same as if you're a rock star or you're a brain surgeon. So I don't even get it. But anyway, but what it does show is that as a country, the US has realized it's quite a high emitter. I mean, it's one of the dirtiest countries in the world, but they are moving really fast in this direction. And so by doing that, there's a bit of a brain drain of expertise from around the world being paid 
to move to the US. So yeah, so I'm going there to try and help actually move the dial faster in the US, which ultimately will help move the dial for the world. Well, good on you. I'm sorry we're losing you from the UK. May your expertise here have a positive <laughs> impact over there. Well, look, my role is a global role. Because the, the one thing, I mean, your, your comment, which is why are we doing it here and no one else is doing it, actually... The business I work for, Jacobs, which is a, a global engineering firm, yeah, we're 66,100 employees globally. I mean, that's mad. I don't even know what that looks like. But we've just created our energy and power division. It's become a global division rather than a regional division. And that's because we recognize that actually the energy transition is happening everywhere. It's being interpreted slightly differently, but it's happening everywhere and it's happening fast but what we realize is there's no rule book there's no instruction book nobody's decarbonized the planet before so we're not following an instruction manual we're having to make it up as we go along yeah. so what you find <clears throat> is there are little pockets of global best practice we are seeing the best bits around the world and combining them to help countries move faster i'll use a, re a very simple example i've just recently been been bidding to help uh, one of the states in in the u.s in the tender document, they say, oh, yeah, we ought to consider disabled access and accessibility. And when we said, well, to what standard? They went, oh, we don't know. Do you know that the UK actually has, it's called, I think, PAS 1199. It's an accessibility standard for EV charging. It's the first in the world. So therefore, it's the best in the world. So actually, I'm exporting the British standard for accessible EV charging, and it's being inked into the tender document for an entire state in the US as the de facto standard for accessible charging. We often think that we're a little country. We don't have as much influence as we had. Actually, to some extent, we are setting standards. Another thing that we're exporting as, as an idea, um, you, know, I, you know, I told you earlier in the interview, we talked about time of use. So I use my power and my car chargers only work when the power is cleanest and cheapest. We have smart chargers. We are one of the first countries in the world to develop that as a standard and to make it law. Again, in the bid that I'm using in the US, we've actually proposed to their equivalent of national grid that we help them copy the UK so that they can have smart charging, smart time of use. So they can use the cleanest power and the cheapest power in a really, really smart way. So don't underestimate the global significance of our little island off Europe. I love that. Graham, that's very encouraging. You're in the position of taking a world view on this and you have a very global yes. attitude to it and you need to, I get that. But for John and Doreen, who are 62 years old, embarking on yep. retirement and they just bought their first yep. motorhome, their world is very different to that. Their view of the world is very different to that. What would the one thing, just to close, would you say to them and to the rest of us listening to this podcast. Yeah. What would your words be to us as we embark on this next decade of massive change? I'm going to counter that. I don't think your world is going to change massively in the next decade. So so if we're talking to if we're talking to Gene and, and Bob in their brand new diesel motorhome today, just enjoy it. Your world isn't going to change. In the lifetime of the vehicle you've just bought, your world is not going to change. If Bob and Doreen in 2035 were going to go, ah, oh, let's embark on a, a, an EV camper van. OK, that is going to start to look different. But look, you've, you've got 13 years to think about what different <laughs> might look like. So what I would say is, look, please, this might seem scary that there's a lot of change. Don't fear change because generally change often creates better things. But what I would say is that this is a transition and not a cliff edge. So Go eyes wide open, understand what's happening. If you ever see an electric motorhome, ask questions. How do you use it? How do you fill it up? How far does it go? Right. Educate yourself, become richer in your knowledge. This is a transition, not a cliff edge. If you are in a beautiful, 
petrol or diesel motorhome today. Just enjoy motorhoming. Don't shorten your life worrying about what may never be or what may never happen to you or because you don't know what will happen to you. Genuinely, this is a transition, not a cliff edge. So enjoy it. Keep doing what you're doing. Change is difficult, but don't fear it. My best holiday ever was when I was studying in the US. I finished my MBA at Haas Business School at UC Berkeley, a very cool place to study. And we hired a Winnebago. I mean, this thing was on a big Ford platform. I mean, this thing, I think, was 4.8 litres. And we toured all that East Coast Highway. We did Vegas. We did the Nevada Desert. We did the Hoover Dam. We did Grand Canyon. The only way to do that is in an RV. So please don't think that I'm being preachy and, and, I, and I'm not engaged with this. Right? I grew up in a, I grew up in a family of caravanners so i've been there and i've done it but genuinely don't shorten your life worrying about something that is going to happen eventually and will happen gently and isn't going to change your world today well you heard it from the man himself the guy pioneering this change just enjoy it just go and do it uh, graham thank you so much it's really important isn't it to have this conversation about this topic and about this change and i'm very grateful to you to allow me uh, to kind of flag our little corner of the world and our niche to you because it's really important to hundreds of thousands of us like you yourself who've enjoyed this pastime for many many years and we want to yep. continue doing that so graham thank you very much for letting me flag the world of motorhomes and campervans to you and uh, i hope you bear us in the back of your mind when you're implementing change from a global level and thank you very much for your time today we really appreciate having you on the podcast thank you graham thank you matt look it's really good i'm really glad that you're pioneering and actually driving the, the debate we live in an internet world where someone has to be wrong for you to be right we've lost the power of debate what i can only thank is the fact that you are asking the right questions we're having the debate it's all part of learning and so just thank you. And I, I really, you know, I, I have listened to some of your podcasts. They're great. I will continue listening. I look forward to, to seeing how this evolves. So thank you very much as well. That's Graham Cooper there, currently Global Vice President of Energy Transition at Jacobs and soon to be in Boston, but he stopped off and talked to Motorhome at before he left. He did. And I'll tell you, what a privilege to be able to talk to a guy who's really painting the global picture. Out in the US, they are going to have a massive impact on how the world decarbonises and how we make our journey to net zero. But we think we've got it bad over here. In the United States, the distances are so much greater. Yeah. And the RV industry, the recreational vehicle industry, reflects that as well. People don't just go 100 or 200 miles. They're going no. five, six, seven, a 1,000 miles. That's right. And I've no doubt Graham will be advising Joe Biden. He's already working with, with Joe Biden's rollout of that, that scheme he talked about. So it was brilliant to just have his ear for over an hour actually and these are just you know some small snippets of our conversation but uh, hopefully we can get graham on again in the future and it's, thank you graham and lovely to know that you've been listening to the podcast and will continue to do so so having heard this from graham uh, parts one and two of these two podcasts uh, how would you sum it up how would you tie it all up what you've heard uh, from him what's the future i think the future is very bright I think there's a lot of change coming at all levels. I think the big thing for me is mindset change. I think there's a new generation coming that will look at our use of fossil fuels and scratch their head and go, really? You know, I think they'll be in disdain. They will just accept that using fossil fuels will pollute the planet, and that's a bad thing. Uh, and I think there'll be a, a newborn passion to protect Earth 
this place we live and and that goes really deep you know for, uh, it was paul kirby in a previous epi- episode said we're going to spend this next six years changing what we've done for a hundred years and that's so true and i think it's an exciting time that change is scary there is an awful lot of uncertainty there's a lot of questions still unanswered and this is a journey not a cliff edge as graham kept saying and remember our community the motorhomers the caravanners the campers these are people who for decades have been uh, treating uh, the UK, Europe uh, and beyond uh, with respect and doing their best. And this is just part of that, isn't it? We, we see it already, don't we? Uh, that transition has started already, hasn't it? It has started already, yeah, even with our phones. I mean, someone gave me a great example the other day. Oh, you have a choice of two phones. One that you can, the battery will last a day and you might have to plug it in once or twice during the day, but you'll plug it in every night. The other, you have to drive 10 miles and pay £50 to recharge it every three weeks. That's kind of the difference between an EV powered vehicle and a, and a current petrol or diesel car, isn't it? We're used to just travelling a few miles to a fuel station and going refuelling and paying quite a chunk for that versus charging regularly for a few pence. So we're already doing that with our phones. So the transition is happening and it is a mindset change which is coming that we all need to adopt and we will learn to adopt, but it is a transition. This is not going to happen overnight. We talked about FUDs last week, didn't we? Uh, Urban myths. Remember, by listening to Motorhome, Matt, uh, you are up with the latest news, not just uh, opinion from the industry, but the reality of what the major manufacturers and dealers are doing. Yes, exactly, yeah. And it's an exciting time to be alive, I think. I I said to someone recently, I think this is going to be an an equivalent to the Industrial Revolution. And I mean, it's not. (laughs) It's not going to be that major. But we are going to see an impact on our personal lives, the way we conduct ourselves and the way we behave when we go on a journey. It's the Motorhome Matt podcast. I'm Keith Gooden. And I'm Motorhome Matt. Uh, we missed it out last week, but it's back this week. The Q&A, your questions and answers. And I do love this because we get to hear from you right here on the podcast. Keith G's in Clinelli. Have I pronounced that right? You have. It's Clinelli. It's yeah. not, not Clinelli. <laughs> no? Only when you've got your mum's teeth in. <laughs> He says, Keith says, electric vehicles sound great, but how long do the batteries last? The big question, Keith. And what is the cost? Another big question. Cars are said to last eight to ten years, and the replacement cost would be £10,000 to £30,000. Ouch! With Tesla, you, you totally lease the batteries. And a lot of cars, not just Tesla, you do just lease the batteries. In batteries, there are some nasty materials that need to be processed. Yes. Uh, who is going to recycle them? If there's money in it, someone, I'd say. Clean energy for vehicles, but not for the battery manufacturer or recycling. Well, I would say that uh, entrepreneurs will start to recycle, but what's your view? Yeah, it's interesting that this has been another big topic that I've been kind of scratching the surface of. And EV cars are said to last much longer than a petrol or diesel car. So it's deemed that a petrol or diesel car will last typically 15 to 20 years. An EV car potentially could last much longer than that, over 300,000 miles. The battery could be taken out for a second life as power storage in a house. So by that point, the battery might only be 60% effective. That's sufficient to store energy for a home. A whole load of new industries are coming. There's a whole load of new battery technology coming as well. So we're very much focused right now on lithium-ion, but sodium batteries are coming. Hydrogen cells are coming. Will they be appropriate for cars? 
Graham says probably not. Let's see. There's a company who have started pioneering hydrogen cell technology in vans. And as you say, there will be entrepreneurs that launch businesses to respond to this challenge. That is how the, the, the free world works. People see an opportunity and they will get creative and they will go for it. Yeah, and also, uh, Keith, uh, don't be a fudder. Uh, Don't uh, look at everything by standing still uh, from this viewpoint today. Battery technology, as Matt's just outlined, is progressing all the time. And we just don't know when the next big breakthrough will come. I mean, lithium iron was a huge breakthrough. It was, yeah. I mean, look at the way our mobile phones have evolved. I mean, that's taken time. But the pace of change has increased astronomically, hasn't it? Technology is increasing. This is a global shift. And despite your view of other parts of the world, we as a planet are all making this move to net zero. And I think the whole planet realises we need to do it, but different countries have different challenges. So it's a global change. There will be countries that pioneer the change, the Western world certainly, but we are going to see a lot of pioneering change coming out of Eastern Europe as well and from China and Asia. Rob Ingram's in Bridgewater in Somerset. Hi, Matt. I can't seem to find anywhere that sells LPG gas from the pump for my motorhome. Any suggestions, please? (laughs) We've talked about this before, haven't we? Sadly, uh, Rob, Motor Fuels Group, MFG, that run all the LPG dispenser points at fuel stations across the country have said that in 2024, those pumps are going to disappear. They're not renewing the leases on them. So you're going to find that refill pumps are going to disappear. But going back to your entrepreneurial point, there are still thousands of people that have refillable gas bottles, either removable ones or fixed ones on their camper van or their motorhome. I think businesses will step up to the plate and will start creating dispensing facilities. I would love one, actually, even though it's a fossil fuel. I think there's still 10 or more years of fossil fuel use when it comes to gas uh, in motorhomes and camper vans. I think we will transition away from it. But that's a different topic. But I would love to have a gas dispense point here. We just don't have the space. So it's not feasible. But it's something that as a business I would certainly consider, which means it gives the consumers that need refill gas points an option. OK, Rob, uh, thanks for the question. Hope that's been some help. But, but Matt, what about refillables? What's, what's their future? Uh, well, it's a great question. I think if you're going to the continent, they're a must-have because you can't get Cala gas on the continent. And refillable uh, gas points are prominent everywhere on the continent. Whilst they are disappearing here in the UK, that may start to happen on the continent, I don't know. I'll tell you what I would love though, is is if Autogas, Gaslo, Alugas or Gasit, one of the refillable bottle manufacturers would come on onto this podcast and talk to us about it. I mean, what's their view of the world? My view is, and this is what I'm seeing, locally, all our gas refill points are shutting down. MFG are removing them from all the motorway services. That's fact. That's happening. We're seeing companies like Brown Hills have introduced a gas refill point. I'd like to have one. We don't have the space. But what are the bottle manufacturers? What's their view? What are they predicting for the next decade? Is it worth having a refillable gas bottle on your motorhome or caravan? We'd love to know. Yeah, because there is some confusion around this. And uh, uh, Rob's uh, question uh, here is he's, he's really asking, what's the future of it and do I need to change? So if you're listening at one of those companies, we, we really want you to come on and speak to us uh, here at the Motorhome Matt podcast. Put everybody straight and make sure that those people that have got refillables can continue with them. And maybe uh, if people are considering them, uh, then you can sell them up, frankly.
Yeah, yeah, they have a value definitely. They're not cheap to buy, and secondhand, they always have a have a residual value. So, yeah, come on, let's have let's have you on. Well, thanks for joining us on the Motorhome Mad podcast. How do people get in touch then, Matt? Very easily, you can go to motorhomemat.co.uk forward slash ask Matt, where you can ask your question. You can record it by hitting the orange button or fill in the form. Uh, but make sure if you do record it, please tell us where you are. We love to know where in the country you are. You'll also find us on YouTube, where there's a plethora of video content. Make sure you hit the little bell and the subscribe button. And make sure you go and check us out on Facebook and Instagram as well. Is that your word of the day, plethora? Plethora, that's a good word. Plethora. It was better than fuddy. (laughs) Yes. Uh, And Apple and Spotify? Apple and Spotify are my favourite dessert. (laughs) If you're listening on either platform, you can leave us a review there. And we would be ever so grateful if you do one of two things. Firstly, leave us a five-star review and share the podcast with someone who you think would appreciate hearing it. Thanks for listening to the Motorhome Matt podcast. Remember to check back here for more episodes full of hints and tips and helpful advice. We'll see you soon for another Motorhome Matt podcast brought to you with thatleisureshop.com. Thank you.